Good night. How was Christmas? Fabulous. Good. I get a double fister tonight. If you have your Bibles, open up Proverbs chapter 17, and we will uh, begin a journey. Beginning at verse 27, we're going to work our way through 17, 18, and probably half of 19 tonight. It says in uh, Proverbs 17, 27, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. When wickedness comes, contempt, uh, contempt comes also, and with dishonor comes disgrace. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his imagination. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? An intelligent heart acquires knowledge. And the ear of the wise seek knowledge. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before the great. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. The lot puts an end to quarrels and decides between powerful contenders. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. The poor use entreaties, but the rich answer roughly. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. Desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friends. A false witness will not go unpunished, 
and he who breathes out lies will not escape. Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man that gives gifts. All a poor man's brothers hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursues them with words, but does not have them. Whoever gets sense loves his soul, and he who keeps understanding will discover good. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will perish. It is not fitting for a fool to live in luxury, much less for a slave to rule over princes. Let's pray. Father God, we lift this word before you this evening. God, we pray that your spirit would guide us, lead us, direct us. God, help us to see, Lord, the, the signs that you are laying out before us, the directions, the street signs to remind us of the way and where you would have us to walk. Lord, we pray that, uh, God, you would make us aware. God, open our eyes to your word, our ears, Lord, our hearts to understanding as we seek your face in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we begin this evening with the idea of appropriate use of words. How should we use words? The Bible's full of context for this, and we see it beginning in verse 1727. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. The idea is not just saying whatever comes to the front of your mind. Now, lately, we seem to honor that. I don't know when that all happened, but all of a sudden, it became very popular just to say whatever you're thinking before you run it past someone who can tell you, you shouldn't say that. So, but the Bible, long before, the Bible is laying this idea out for us. Don't just say whatever's on the top of your mind. It says, he who restrains his words. What did the Bible say in James? Be quick to... Listen, and slow to speak. We should practice that. It's a street sign, right? Jesus said, come follow me. Here's the narrow way. Is he not describing what that narrow way looks like? So he lays out this idea for us, the appropriate use of words. And then in verse 28, we've all heard this proverb said a different way, right? Verse 28, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. Better to be silent and thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Right? This is the idea. The scripture is laying out for us. In 18.1, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire and he breaks out against all sound judgment. Now this is a a, a tricky uh, sentence in Hebrew to get the idea, but the idea basically that's being laid out by uh, by verse one here is is this idea that that you, a person is isolating themselves because they are constantly at war or at battle with everybody else. Everybody else, every, you know, it's uh it's that age old issue that everybody else is a problem. You ever met people like that that ha- literally have a problem with everyone, and at some point you begin to say. Maybe the problem's not everyone, right? The one common denominator in all those problems is, maybe it's me, right? Uh, maybe I'm the common denominator in the issue. Well, what's he saying here? 
Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He can't get along with anyone else, so he goes off by himself so he can have things his way. That's the, the rule of the hermit. Ultimately, if I could pick a life, I, I would probably be a hermit. I, I would always have get my way. Now, you don't always get my way now. No matter what Kathy says, it's not true. I don't always get my way. Uh, then in, in verse 2, he says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Again, another street sign. We, we, we don't want to be those kind of people who won't listen. Who won't listen, won't hear what someone's saying. We have a real problem in our, in our culture today of hearing other people. You ever have a conversation with somebody and they interrupt you before you're done? That's a person who's not listening. I do it all the time, huh, babe? So these are things that we, it's street signs for us. Hey, pay attention. The Bible says be quick to listen. Hear what's being said. Maybe not even the words that are being used. Maybe you need to understand the heart behind the words. What, what really is the issue here? Because Jesus seemed to have a really uh, definite understanding of what was happening in somebody's heart, right? But the rich young ruler would come and ask him a question, and Jesus would answer the deeper question in his heart, not the one he was asking. Why? Not because he's God, though he is, but because he listened. I don't think there's anything we see in the life of Christ you and I can't emulate here, right? Whether it's whatever, prayer, healing, praise, worship, teaching, I don't know, you, you pick the thing shy of, of the transfiguration and, and uh, walking on water if God wants us to. I suppose you could even do that. But the point being, he came to emulate for you and I, show us the way. One of the things I think that we want to recognize from that truly is the ability to listen. Listen to what's being said. Listen to the heart. So he says here, it's a fool who doesn't want to have understanding. A fool doesn't want to understand what it is someone else is saying. Now, I don't want to be a fool. The Bible doesn't have anything good to say about a fool, right? So we need to learn to listen. Now, one of the things we have, we, we do a roundtable. We're on break for, for till, till holidays are over. But, uh, but one of the things we do is the purpose of roundtable is not necessarily... Sitting around a table and getting everybody to think like you think. The purpose of the round table is to sit around a round table and listen. And hear what people are saying. And consider it. You know, consider it. And say, well, is that, could that be right? Am I, am I thinking clearly about this? So this is a, a challenge that I think God is definitely calling His people to. Uh, verse 3, when wickedness comes, contempt comes also. And with dishonor comes disgrace. Now what's he telling us? Listen to, the, listen to the, the method through which it all happens. When wickedness comes, contempt comes. Contempt is when you just have to look down your nose at somebody else. You can't stand them. Just, I, have you ever said, I just don't like them. I just don't like them. Well, the Bible would say that's wickedness. Because when wickedness comes, contempt comes with it. Contempt comes with it. And then not only contempt, with dishonor comes disgrace. So there's this, this street sign. Hey, we, the, the, as believers, 
It's not our role to go and dishonor and disgrace and have contempt for others. You don't. You you can be respectful of somebody you disagree with. Somebody I respect greatly, although I've never met him, so it might change if I met him. But uh, James White, Doctor James White, does a lot of debates. I like to listen to debates. I like to watch his debates, and he is very respectful. Though he debates uh, Muslims, uh, there's no reason to sit down in a debate and just say whatever's on the top of your mind about somebody else's mom or whatever. You know, he's respectful. He gets the point across. He shares the gospel. All those things are are very positive things that are accomplished. And I think the Word of God is telling us, look, if you got contempt and dishonor and disrespect, all these things flowing out of you, God's Word would say street sign. That's wickedness. What road's that? The broad road of destruction, right? So that shouldn't be about us, right? If we're following Jesus on the narrow way. Verse 4, the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. So there's this idea that from our our mouth, we're going to really understand who we are. James said the same thing. James said that if we are mature in our faith, one of the first areas of our life that we'll see control is where? Our mouth, right? Our tongue. Learning to control our speech, our tongue. Proverbs is saying the same thing. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. Deep waters. There's, there's a lot of things that can be learned from that. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook that should be coming out, should be coming forth. Jesus said you shouldn't have uh, salt water and fresh at the same time. I used to say to guys on the job, you kiss your mama with that mouth. Same idea, right? The words we use... The way we speak ought to reflect Christ. And that's what Proverbs is, is telling us about here in these first several verses. Next, he, he has uh, several Proverbs, uh, three Proverbs dealing with listening. How to listen and how not to listen, or when not to. It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. So God shows no partiality, right? Then scriptures tell us that. So the idea is that we ought to reflect that same attitude. That it's not good to be partial. In other words, it's not good to favor the wicked in court. Uh, or to deprive the righteous of justice. God expects true righteousness, right? Judge with true righteousness. Be, be right, following Christ. In verse 6, a fool's lips... Walk into a, a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. Anybody ever met a guy like that? I used to say, man, that dude just needs a good beating, and he'll change the way he talks. And I actually used to believe that until I watched a guy that this verse describes very well take a beating and still flap his gums. So, you know, the, the reality is, the Bible says stripes on a fool's back is a waste. Because some people just don't want to learn, right? You, can't, you catch what he's saying here? He's saying, look, the way people talk, the way a fool's mouth is his, is his ruin, his lips are a snare to his soul. The way he speaks, the things that are flowing out of him. Listen to verse 8. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. 
Uh, here's where it's when we ought not to listen. When we ought not to listen. The words of a whisper are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. The point that the proverb is laying out is it's laying for us a street sign. We don't want to be the receiving end of a tale bearer, a gossiper. It's just as big an issue to listen as it is to speak. The Bible would say, where there is no wood, there is no fire. So we want to be, pay attention to the street sign. Pay attention to the way. Jesus is saying, this is not the narrow path, this is a wide path. That's the way of destruction. We don't want to be those who are willing to receive gossip. Then he's going to share several proverbs on security. Look at verse 9. Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. The, the proverbs are full of the concept that laziness is a problem. We don't want to be lazy, won't feed you. Lazy won't take care of what needs taken care of. Stuff doesn't get done. So the basic idea, look, it, being lazy, just because you're not the one going out and destroying, you are the brother of the destroyer. You, being lazy is bringing destruction. What path is that? The broad way, right? It's a broad way that leads to destruction, the narrow way that leads to life. But the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. The name of the Lord, that the Lord is our strong tower. Yahweh, the name of the Lord, actually means becoming one. The idea behind it is that God is everything you need. He is the becoming one. He is the one becoming everything you need. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The, the righteous will run into it. That's where we're going to find our ultimate security, right? Where we are safe, where we are sound. Now look at verse 11. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. Now there is a certain amount of security that comes to wealth, right? A certain amount, but look at what, how he describes it next. And like a high wall, where? In his imagination. You ever had a wall in your imagination save you? I imagine that I'm in good shape right now. I've imagined that before, and it overnight watched my imaginary wall disappear. My dad, when he retired, had an imaginary wall. And I don't remember what it was, Black Friday or Black Monday or one of them. One of them stock market crashes in one day, one night, uh, that was all gone. Poof. One day secure, next day less secure than you were the day before. Wealth brings some security, but not as much as the name of the Lord, right? The name of the Lord is our strong tower where we find safety. Then in verse 12, he ties all of these ideas together with pride, which is the killer, right? Pride is a killer. It's a killer on the broad path of destruction. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty. What's another way of saying that? Pride. Pride comes before the... Yeah, it's the same idea, right? We have the proud man's heart before destruction, but humility before honor. Man, and listen, we've talked about this before, but you know the Bible tells in James chapter 5 that 
We're to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. But the verse prior to that says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. It's the same word. The way we're supposed to resist the devil is the way God resists the proud. Now, which one of us wants to line up on the side of something that God resists in the same way we're supposed to resist the devil? Bad deal, right? So we have to be careful of pride. How many of you guys know that pride is a sneaky little bugger? It pops up at the weirdest times. You think, oh, you know what? I'm good. I, I really, my pride is all handled. That was pride, by the way. That was just picking up its head. We have to constantly be careful of pride. What is Jesus telling us? He's laying out for us the street sign. Pride is the path of destruction. Humility is the narrow road. We want to be careful to pay attention to the street signs. Look at verse 13. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. How many times have we read similar things, right? Be quick to listen. Pay attention to what someone is saying. What if, I know this is hard to believe, the person who is saying it is a socialist? Well, they can't have anything good to say. I don't know. Maybe they don't. What should we learn to do? Listen. Okay, we can shout and scream on the street corner, but let me tell you something. There's an old guy who was running for president, right? Who was a straight-up socialist. And who was listening and supporting him? The youth. Now, what does that mean for you and I? Well, you can yell at youth all you want, but if we don't learn to sit and listen to what they're saying and why they're saying it, and be able to have a constructive conversation with them, you don't change anybody's mind with a pipe. You get that? You don't change your mind with a gun either. You just end the discussion. By the way, you only see Jesus use a whip, and only once against religious folk, right? Otherwise, he used his words. He spoke. He heard, he listened. The scripture is laying out for us right here. If one gives an answer before he hears, so we should listen to the whole thing. I I have to remind myself this all the time because as soon as somebody starts talking that I don't agree with, I'm ready. I'm ready. I got my one-liner and my dripping with sarcasm I'm ready to throw on the table. But that's not the path of life. That's a path of destruction. The path of life listens, hears what's being said, formulates a response, right? If we ignore it, I'm going to tell you this right now, we ignore it and we don't pay attention to it and we don't have the discussions that we need to have in four to eight years, that somebody like that is going to be your president. And you'll get a good look at what it really looks like. We need to learn to talk. We need to learn to have those kinds of discussions with one another. A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? Now what this verse is talking about is our attitude. Our attitude. You know, you ever had your, your spirit crushed? Like, I, you just don't want to do anything. If, if your attitude, I don't know another way to say that. Maybe there's a better word. But the idea that, that if, if my attitude is good, if I have uh, uh, illness... 
and I have a good attitude in, in battling that illness, uh, my body reacts better. But if my spirit's crushed, if I just can't take it, another heartache, another heartbreak, whatever, then, then that's going to wash away. What is it that God is telling us? He's telling us that attitude is important. We don't get to check out. <laughs> I, we, we did a disservice as the church when we taught people to check out because of eschatology. You guys know what that is? Eschatology, study of end times. A lot of people believe in uh, premillennialism, which usually has involved within it a rapture, and then we argue about when the rapture is going to take place. But we have this idea in our eschatology that John's going to find out that Jackie's right. But, but uh, one day, one day, not too soon, but one day he's going to find out. But what we do is we say the world is going to keep getting worse and worse and worse, and then Jesus is going to come back. You guys all tracking with me? So what did that, what did that get us to do? Stop caring about being engaged. So we just say, well, why should I do anything? The world's just going to keep getting worse. So you go prayers out of school. You got, you got abortion being legalized. You got a bunch of things occurring, right? Uh, down the line, things are happening. And we are just surrendering ground right and left. Why? Because, because Jesus is coming back soon and we don't have to worry about it. I just want you to know that's not in the Bible anywhere. Not the idea that Jesus is coming back soon, the idea that we're not supposed to do anything. Jesus said, occupy till I come. Now, when I was in the Marine Corps, if somebody said, occupy till I come, that did not mean let them take all the ground they want. It meant stay engaged. And that's something we failed to do. So what do we do now? We engage. No matter what our eschatology or how we think end times are going to come together, and we are to be looking every day for the return of our uh, great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we're to engage the culture. We're not to surrender ground. We're to find ways to engage the culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So we, so we need to have the attitude that says, I'm in the fight. Not a crushed spirit that just surrenders ground. A crushed spirit surrendering ground, that's a path of destruction. So we want to have the spirit that's willing to do battle, endure sickness. <clears throat> Look at verse 15. An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seek knowledge. So we have this idea, okay, what's going on? The pursuit of wisdom throughout the Proverbs is the pursuit of who? Jesus. A pursuit of Jesus Pursuit of wisdom, that's the, that's the narrow way, that's the path that we want to walk. In verse 16, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before the great. Hey, the Proverbs are saying one of the attitudes that we ought to have is an attitude of generosity. Not the same thing as a bribe, it's being generous. Being a generous person opens doors. Now, the idea is not to be generous to open doors, but just be generous. Does the Bible speak about generosity? Was Jesus generous? When people were hungry, did he feed them? Yeah, so, 
So we want to see this kind of generosity flowing through us. The one who states his case first seems right until another comes and examines him. This is why it's important to listen. Yeah? How many, I've heard a million different theological arguments, and every time I hear one, I think, boy, that sounds really good. It's really important in a debate to watch the cross-examination. Why? Because you get to find out whether or not that argument stands up against inspection. Inspection. Lots of things sound right. Here's one of the big errors that occur within a lot of churches. In a lot of churches and a lot of places, you have like an approved reading list. Here's the approved reading list. Only read people who agree with us. And only listen to people who agree with us. And only study people who agree with us. And you know what you'll discover? You agree with us. Okay, but isn't it better to open up your mind and your understanding? Now, I'm not saying not to to be reckless. I'm not talking about running off into heresies and all kind of craziness. But it's okay to listen to people who have a different idea than you and then listen to cross-examination. Does it work? Had I considered that? Oh, maybe I hadn't considered that. And that's part of growth, right? That, that how we grew in school? How many of us, we look at how they do math today and we, we, get all, we, we can get on Facebook and we can all freak out. Oh no, it's, what do they call it? What's it called? Common Core. That, you know, I don't get worked up by that. Why? Because in a year it'll be something else. Two years it'll be something different. It'll be no child left behind. It'll be, it'll be, uh, I don't even remember all the different ones that, that I've been through since I was a kid. All these different, all they are is different methods. How do we find out whether or not something works? See if it stands up to cross-examination. How's it working? How's it functioning? We're not the, we don't, we, what we should do is, what? Listen, and then just because it sounded good in the first statement, we want to also hear what? Cross-examination. What are the, what's the other side saying? What does this side say? What does that side say? How do they interact with one another? And which one, I'll tell you how to figure out what's right. You guys ready? Which one is following the narrow way? Not which one seems right to me. Proverbs said there is a way that seems right to a man, but that's the path of destruction, right? It's a way that leads to destruction. So we want to be men and women who can listen. The lot puts an end to all quarrels. Now, this is something that the Jews would do. You got two guys, and they're just going at it, man, and nobody can decide which one's right. So the Jews would say, well, lot will decide. Yeah, we'll break a toothpick. One piece will be longer than the other piece. And we'll hold them behind my back, and you pick the hand. And you pick the right one, you win. How did they do it in the Middle Ages? Uh, uh, um, battle by uh, combat. What do, what do they call it? You guys know what I'm talking about? They charge a guy with a crime and, and they, they can't prove it in a case of law, so they fight. Two guys fight, and if he loses, oh, yep, he was a bad guy. In a similar way, this is what they're doing. Hey, the lot puts an end to quarrels. What did the Bible say earlier? The lot is cast, but, but what happens? Who decided it? Yeah, God. That's a pretty powerful statement of the sovereignty of God, isn't it? Pretty powerful statement in the sovereignty of God. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. 
Hey, if, if we got a problem with the brother, what does the Bible say to do? Go fix it, right? Because if you don't fix it, this is what he's saying. He is more unyielding than a strong city. Trying to conquer a strong city, a walled city, you're trying to conquer it, they won't give up till that wall comes down. Same way with a brother that's offended. So what ought we to do? Make it right. Quarreling is like the bars of a castle. Quarreling divides. Quarreling divides. Quarreling is not arguing. Now, in our language, we tend to use the words the same way, but it's not the same kind of thing. The, the Bible says, uh, come let us reason together. You guys heard that before, right? Come let us reason together. Though our sins were as scarlet, they shall be white as snow, right? So we, we're familiar with the scripture. Well, that word reason is the, is the word argue. That's what arguing is supposed to be, reasoning together. Listening, discussing, working your way through an issue. Quarreling is yelling at each other and not paying attention to what the other side's saying. Right? Quarreling divides. That's why the Bible says uh, an elder shouldn't be a quarreler. Somebody who just wants to shout, Somebody else down. What should an elder be? Listener. A reasoner. Someone who is able to discuss through the issues. Uh, verse 20, the power of words. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. That means you got to eat what you say. Maybe we think a little bit more about the words we use. Basically, it's what he's talking about. The fruit of a man's mouth, that, that's, that's it. The fruit refers to the consequences, whether good or bad, that come because of our words. You get to eat them. The Bible says you will be judged for every idle word. That seems like a bad deal. Yeah? So what's the point? The, the point of that is be careful of your words. Later on, that's going to be the banquet we sit down to eat. Right? Sweet words are easier to eat than bitter ones. Sweet words are easier to eat than bitter. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Look at what verse 21 says. For death and life are where? In the power of the tongue. That's what the Bible says about the words we use. The, the, Paul would say it like this in Ephesians chapter 4, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. So how many corrupt words is that? Oh, see how easy, we, I can pass that kind of math. Let no corrupt words, so don't say corrupt things. Period. Oh, so if a corrupt word proceeds out, I should probably choke it back. That's going to be the, ban the banquet for me. I'm going to have to eat all those words. So what? If, I, if, I, if I'm taking care of the thoughts I'm thinking, the words I'm using, that is the narrow path. You guys with me? But if I'm just going to say whatever's coming out of my head, what is that? That's a broad way of destruction. I don't want to be on the broad way. I want to be on the narrow way. Death and life in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, will eat its fruits. Everybody tracking? So, the power of words. Be careful what you say, because you're going to have to eat them later. Think about what's coming out of our mouth. Next we have a section, the, the, the next section deals with companionship. 
He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. A good wife is a good thing. It's a good thing. In fact, we're, we're going to wrap up the concept of uh, womanly wisdom that has been the, the wisdom figure throughout the Proverbs in the Proverbs 31 woman, right? Which is going to say the same thing. A man finds a good wife. He finds a good thing. Next, he talks about the poor. The poor use entreaties, but the rich answer roughly. What's that mean? The poor speak humbly. They don't assume themselves to be greater than another, but the rich speak roughly. The Bible says God resists the proud and gives grace to who? The humble. Now the attitude, the point is, is a poor person can be just as arrogant as a rich person, but the idea is we want to be those who use humble words, who have a humble attitude. And that's the, that's the kind of an example that we want to follow. Desire without knowledge is not good. What sits in the seat of desire in your heart? If you don't know, then definitely do not do what you want. If you know, then do what you want. The Bible's clear. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, do what you want. Your desires are righteous, holy, given to you by God. If you don't love the Lord, definitely don't do what you want. You're being led by sinful desire. Desire without knowledge is not good. And then what's the next part of it? Whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. You ever been in a hurry and only watch things get worse? I, sometimes I have to sit down and remind myself, slow down. Slow. What's that thing you say, Rusty, all the time? I always say it wrong. Slow is fast. No. What is it? Slow is smooth. How's it go? Slow is smooth. Smooth is fast. So that, that was Rusty. Rusty was personally training me, and then I overcame the master with a pistol. <clears throat> so, but one of the things that he would remind me all the time, you try to be in a hurry, things go bad. What's the Bible say? Don't, don't be running off so quick with your feet. You're going to get lost. Slow down. Slow down. Take your time. Be aware of what you're doing. Be aware of your desires. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. If I had a nickel for every time, I've seen this. Yeah, somebody, something bad happened in somebody's life because of their own choices and they're mad at God. Bob, I would be a wealthy man. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. When a man's folly brings ruin, he blames God. Why? Because it's always easy to blame somebody else. I blame God. He could have stopped me. Why didn't you stop me, God? (laughs) Why didn't you listen? No, no, that part of the argument can't be right. No, we want to be those who are not raging against the Lord, but submitting unto the Lord. Now, wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. You ever find out you have more friends when you got money? Are they the kind of friends you can count on? That's a different kind of friend, right? You get it? When you got a lot of money, you got a lot of friends, but you're poor, you're deserted by your friends. But if you got people standing by you then, can you count on them? Hey, he says a false witness will not go unpunished. And he who breathes out lies 
will not escape. He who breathes out lies will not escape. Hey, uh, be sure your lies will do what? They'll find you out, right? Your lies will find you out. The Bible says, liar, lying leads to punishment. Punishment is a way of destruction. Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to him who gives gifts. Everybody loves the generous. Again, more insight to the concept, right? Being a generous person. All a poor man's brothers hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? Now, you may ask yourself, why? Listen to the next part. He pursues them with words, but does not have them. Now, why would a poor man pursue his friends with words? Well, ask yourself, what poor man has ever pursued you with words? And when he did, what did he want? Money. Money, money, money. Can a poor man have a love of money too? Can he struggle with money? Can he struggle with those desires? He's, he pursues them with words. Now, again, this is a difficult Hebrew phrase, and there are other people who, who may not agree with me, but that's, this is what I see as I look at it, that this poor man, people are abandoning him. Why? Because he's always looking for something from them. Early, just previous it, what did it say? A generous man has lots of friends. Everybody wants to be around somebody who gives gifts. And everybody runs away from a guy who constantly is hitting you up for money or to borrow something or, you know, that, that that's just a constant state. One is a path that's following the Lord. The other is a path leading to destruction. Nobody wants to be uh, walking a road where nobody wants to be around you. Everybody wants a connection. Even a hermit wants a connection with somebody, some way. How do we find that connection? Be generous. You want to have a friend? What, what do we say? Be a friend. Yeah. Yeah, that's, this is the attitude that I think that he is, uh, that he's uh, going for here. Whoever gets sense loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will discover good. Again, that's the pursuit of wisdom. If you pursue wisdom, which in Proverbs is a personification of Jesus Christ, you love your soul. You love your life. We want to seek Christ with everything that is in us. We want to seek that wisdom. Then in verse 9, a false witness will not go unpunished. What do we say about liars? Hey, lie. You lie, you fry. That's how that works, right? Be sure your sins will find you out. Hear this liar, the false witness. They're going to get punished. So what path is that? If I'm a liar, what path am I walking? If I'm going to be punished, right? That's destruction, isn't it? So we want to get off of that path. It is not fitting for a fool to live in luxury. But sometimes they do. But where's the road end? A fool has said in his heart, what? So a fool can live in luxury. It's not fitting. It's not fitting. It's not right. And one day there will be, there will be a, a reckoning. And then the next part, same, same thing goes through. Much less for a slave to rule over princes. Shouldn't have to have a slave rule over a prince, but 
Sometimes they do. Those who should be in leadership ought to be able to fulfill that role, but sometimes it's a slave, sometimes it's a Joseph, who God raises up to lead his people rather than those who should have been able. Remember, as we work our way through the Proverbs, guys, we want to pay attention to the street signs. We want to pay attention to what's going on. Because here, man can have many friends, right? And that doesn't mean anything, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Yeah? There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So we see this, again, picture of of Christ. I can have a multitude of friends. I can be a very generous person and everybody loves me. But there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I think that is referencing Christ, ultimately, that... He's the only one that can always be with me no matter where I'm at. When Saeed was in prison, uh, in the dark of a cell, maybe nobody else could come visit him, but Jesus could be with him. Same thing is true for us. No matter where we find ourselves, no matter what's going on in our life, we have that reality that we can cling to. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray.